Pixel Sift is proudly supported by Murdoch University. Murdoch University helps us make the show every week. Uh, coming up, if you're interested in making a podcast like Pixel Sift, you can check out the Murdoch University Open Day, which is from 9 to 3 p.m. on July the 30th if you're here in Western Australia. But if not, come along, you know, make a trip over to WA. It's lovely at this time of year. Uh, that's at the Murdoch South Street campus. You can come and check out the studios like the one we're recording in at this very moment. Um, but there's also TV studios and virtual reality displays and uh, last year there was Japanese art and calligraphy and all of that sort of thing performance uh, at 2pm by Thelma Plum if you've been listening to uh, Triple J you'll know Thelma Plum very well uh, you can win a VIP experience for you and a mate to any Perth Arena concert you can choose from Harry Styles Katy Perry The Weeknd Bruno Mars and more all of that uh, if you come on down to the Murdoch University Open Day Murdoch University proudly sponsoring Pixel Sift Hello and welcome to Pixel Sift. It's a video game show. We talk about games, we talk about culture, we talk about art, we talk about all sorts of things. Uh, and we do that every fortnight for you on pixelsift.com.au and live on Twitch if you're watching there. Mm-hmm. This week, uh, I'm joined by the frequently absent but now returned <laughs> Scott. Can you believe hey, it? He's hey. back. He's yeah. back. He hasn't been here for a while, but he's back again. It's good to be back. Uh, we thought he got in trouble after the Last of Us comment. Yeah. But he's back now. <laughs> yeah, I'm that, back to hate on all your favourite games. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, and Mitch, of course, is here as well. Thank, hey. Thanks to Nick as well, who's making the video stuff work. Uh, we're also joined this week by Anthony Sweet and Paul Turbot. You're there from Perth's Black Lab Games, uh, and they're going to be telling us all about their brand new game, Battlestar Galactica mm. Deadlock. Paul, Anthony, thank you for joining us today. Ooh. Hi, thanks for having us on. It's great to have you. We're going to hear all about your game a little bit later on the show. But what else are we checking out today? We are checking out Games on Demand Services. Is a Netflix-like service for games the solution to the issue of exposure among indie developers? We'll, yep. uh, we'll check it out. Yep. And finally, we'll be taking a look at the different ways we play games and be it the shortcuts through maps, exploitation of certain bugs, or the slight abuse of the save mechanic. All that and more coming up later in the show. Let's jump in, though, shall we? <laughs> Did you know PixelSiv is available on other platforms? You can find previous episodes on iTunes, Pocket Casts, YouTube, and on the PixelSiv website. Uh, Netflix is one of the most popular subscription services on the net, and it is one of the reasons why people are watching different types of shows uh, that they might not actually usually go for or even be able to you know, um, obtain. Uh, so could vid- are video games uh, benefit from a s- similar service? Games on Demand services such as Jump is aiming to answer that question and supply that just that service. So Jump has come out uh, relatively in the last couple of weeks or so, basically pitching themselves at this Netflix for games, trying to solve a problem with uh, curation, especially in indie games where it's kind of mm. difficult to rise uh, out of the, I guess the there's a big crop of indie games to kind of find your place within. Mm. Um, and it's trying to create the service where people can get nicely curated subscription on demand indie games. You can jump in and play whatever little bits and pieces you, you'd like to play. Um, not the only subscription sort of game service that's come about. Um, Microsoft uh, just announced that they're having a big back catalogue that you can now get uh, access to. EA Access, of course, as well, is another service that's available from from one of the publishers directly. There's a service back a few years ago that was also very similar to that, like... Um 
doing the reruns type games, old games and stuff, rock you. Um, a little bit like the cable TV situation in America. But it's funny about this um, jump and, and them referring to themselves as Netflix video games type thing. Because uh, when I'm describing to non-video game players anyway, uh, you know, Steam and all these other um, s- systems that are in place, um, I kind of use that as, as a description. But it isn't close, as especially not as close as Jump. It looks like it, you know, it looks like something that could definitely take off anywhere. Yes. So, in regards to this, there are kind of two types of services that you want to consider. There's cloud gaming or gaming on demand, which is what we've been talking about here, which is where you kind of download, I mean, like it allows you to like kind of stream the data onto your PC well, and what then it, you it, play it, the game. It sort of, um, it does the processing before it gets to you. Yeah. Um, it's it's done by some kind of a you know remote. I obviously don't know too much about it, <laughs> um, as far as the technical side of things and how it exactly works. But yeah, all the processing is done by a different computer somewhere else, and they basically, like you said, just stream the final thing to you. Yep. And then the other one is file streaming, so or progressive downloading, which in, like it just download. It kind of like is almost like MiniClip and things like that used to be back in the day, where you just go and play a flash game online. It's kind of like that. Paul, Anthony, you guys uh, have made uh, a number of games now. Um, would a service like this be something that you would be interested in? Uh, do you think there is a value for a service for like a, a you know a subscription based on demand games service? I think there's definitely some value in it, um, but I think it's from a developer's point of view, it's probably going to be more useful for older games, not necessarily new releases. Um, I have to admit, I'm not very familiar with the business model for these things at the moment. So I probably need to know a bit more about that to, to really say too much more about it than that. Um, but definitely I can see a, a place for uh, sort of games you, you've released and they've sort of you know, formed by the wayside and they're not sort of current titles anymore and just sort of helping to make them stay relevant and help, help you find a new audience for your, for your, your titles. So there's probably some value, yeah. Absolutely. Jump have actually said that, that, you know, they're they're not trying to take away from whatever already exists uh, for, especially for indie developers. They're more looking for this to work side by side. And exactly like you said, maybe launch somewhere else, but then bring it over to uh, Jump when things have kind of quietened down a little bit. And this is the place where your game will get the podium it it deserves and the longevity of it, I guess. So, in regards to the business model, they uh, have a, I'm just having a look at this article here, and it's a $10 monthly fee for access to their library. Yep. So it's quite similar to Netflix. I'm so pretty sure that's American. Available yeah. with the PC, Vive, Rift, everything, you know, that are, uh, you know, the other kind of indie sources it, working um, with. I tried out the, the this platform last night. Um, yep. And basically, there's a number of games that you can try in the beta at the moment. And it does sort of work a little bit like Netflix in that there's sort of, when you click on the game you want to play, there's a loading bar. Um, and when it loads up, the game is ready to go. Yeah, there was How no- long does it take, I was wondering? Because they, they say 20 seconds or so. Well, 20 seconds or so, probably not if you're based in Perth. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> no. Okay, I had a slightly better experience than that. Like, I was, I, it was surprising how seamless it was. Like, I, I expected there to be a slight install, maybe, or like a, um, I don't know, just some kind of thing that I would need to approve for, to allow it to do something to my computer. But no, it doesn't do anything to your computer. Well, it just- it, runs off the program. It kind of runs yeah. all um, off of the back of um, a few years ago when Unity announced their WebGL export. I see. It all kind of is run uh, under that, guys. You don't talk about game uh, engines this week. Haven't you <laughs> seen the controversy about game engines? Oh. Um, that, that makes me wonder how powerful can, like, how graphically intense or big games can possibly be on this on this service. It's all well and good for, like, 
like a roguelite kind of game, which I tried to play, um, which I was playing this morning. But what if like you wanted to stream a more mainstream game? Would PlayStation um, did have done something similar with their uh, PlayStation 3 titles. There was a service where you could actually stream them directly to your PlayStation uh, PlayStation 4, um, where you could play them like that. It's just remoting in. It's like playing uh, using LogMeIn or Hamachi or any of those services to kind of remote into someone, TeamViewer even. That's mm. the way to do it. Steam, uh, the Steam Link actually uses mm. something similar for a computer in your home where you can stream across your network um, and then play with a controller locally on a TV That's rather. Great. Blizzard, yeah. Blizzard do something pretty cool when you're installing a game. You can kind of start playing it before it's done and that might help as well. Yeah, I've, I've actually seen that before. Maybe it was just Blizzard specific. I don't remember before. but um, And also I like it when they're doing uh, that for updates. Uh, unfortunately, most of the games I've been playing at the moment are online, so that doesn't really play <laughs> into it. The big thing I wonder about this is this service probably will be great for people with older games in the early days, but as it becomes more popular and then more people get their games onto the platform, you're going to run into the same issues that uh, even Netflix has, right? So Netflix has a lot of stuff, but you generally will probably only watch a small segment of that. Um, And it's very difficult to find the gems within the noise uh, of, of... you know, too much choice in a way. So that's exactly right. Like it, it, they they say it's going to start with a hundred games at launch. Um, but much like the Netflix in Australia versus say the Netflix that you can get from America, we have a lot of stuff on there. But it's a lot of shit. Like it's a lot of stuff I don't want to watch. Unfortunately, there's going to be a draw for them to do that uh, monetary wise. You know, if they kind of lose their way, I guess. Also, <laughs> it sounds like they come from a good place. You know, with their whole business model is great. Also, I think that the draw of Netflix to the average person is they get pulled in by the big movies and the big TV shows that are already on there and then discover the Netflix Netflix originals while they have Netflix. Very few people actually go for, initially anyway, for the original content. Absolutely. So maybe the service might need like a Call of Duty on there to begin with. I don't know. Um Yeah, maybe. Who knows? It just, it just makes me a little bit apprehensive as to, I don't know, hopeful but just wondering if it's feasible to just have the indie library. Mm. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens. I think this is uh, um, an area that lots of people are really very interested to get into. Good in new territory. A variety of different publishers as internet gets better and better and it becomes easier to stream games from across the world. And this isn't the same uh, first thing. I forgot to mention it completely, but remember when there was the SNES and they had that kind of the Japanese uh, game stream that you could get and you had specials... Uh, I don't know, levels uh, of Zelda that you could play. And they're only available through that. Yeah, and that actually ran on uh, TV broadcast. It did. And, uh, and you had to be tuned in at that exact time. Yeah. Otherwise, you wouldn't get it. It was in the TV guide when you would actually That sounds it. awful. Un- sounds so amazing. <laughs> you're talking, we're talking about early 90s. Yeah. So this is like pre-home internet. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> the 90s. And I've yeah. seen clips of it and it streamed well. Yeah, very, very interesting. <laughs> Anyways. Look, there'll be more to talk about this one. Let's jump into our next topic right now. Pixel Sift. <laughs> Pixel Sift. No, seriously, Pixel Sift. <laughs> no, seriously. Pixel Sift. We're joined by Paul Turbot and Anthony Sweet. They're from Perth's Black Lab Games. Uh, you're working on a highly anticipated uh, game. It's called Battlescar Galactica Deadlock. Uh, 
it's very exciting. And Anthony, I remember we uh, had you on the show at Perth Games Fest uh, late last yes. year. And you had a, a, yes. a wry smile on your face when I said, what projects are you working on? Um, how- I, I, I still do. You do. Still <laughs> yeah, still always there. Um, you should have seen him. It was just like, hey. He was like, well, you know, you know, anyway. It uh, doesn't really translate in audio. But um, <laughs> Anthony, tell me a little bit about, and, and Paul as well, what is it like to now have this project out in the wild? And, and you just had a big uh, public AMA this morning. Um, what's it like to see the sort of reactions from people who've, who've, who are excited and uh, uh, very interested in, the, in this game? It's super gratifying. Like, um, we've kept this under our hats for quite a long time, and it was quite hard to just to- not be able to talk about it openly. Whenever we'd go to a game dev meetup or even just around a barbecue, people would be asking, you know, what are you working on? You can't actually say what it is, even though, you know, like you're just bursting at the seams to say, oh my God, it's Battlestar Galactica. Um, So it's super gratifying now to know that uh, it's out in the public and people are just as excited about it as we are. Um, Yeah, it's quite fun. It's a big franchise. It's one that people are very engaged with, um, you know, has a whole bunch of new fans because of the reimagined uh, series that came out uh, a couple of years ago. Um, is it daunting jumping into a, a franchise like this that people have such a strong love for and a, a strong interest in all the little bits and pieces that make up the universe of Battlestar Galactica? It, it wasn't at first. Uh, when we, when the opportunity first came up, we, sort of, we jumped at it pretty quickly and, like, there wasn't, too much thought. It's like, you know, we absolutely have to do this. Uh, it wasn't until we'd been working on it for a little while we sort of started to realise what we were working with, and yeah, since then it has gotten a bit more, a bit more. I wouldn't say daunting, but um, we just want to make sure we do a good job and make sure that the fans of the the series are happy with the game we make. So yeah, and no I, pressure. I think- a good thing for us as well is that we're fan, we were fans of the series before we started working on the game. So, uh, you know, we're kind of holding ourselves to that same level of critique where, like, we want to make sure it feels authentic. Authenticity has been, like, one of the pillars of this project for us. And, you know, we really hope that we're hitting that authentic mark for people. But as fans as well, like, we know how how important that can be. How did this opportunity come to you uh, this is a, a big franchise i'm sure there's plenty of people who'd love to have a, a crack at making a game for battlestar galactica how did it all come about uh i actually have to give a lot of uh credit here to our publishers um slytherin they're a specialty publisher that work in the um strategy game space uh we worked with them previously on our last game which was uh, starhammer the vanguard prophecy and after we finished that we were sort of talking about some ideas for some different projects and they just asked you know, at a, a conference one time, you know, are there any IPs you'd be interested in working with? And I didn't think too much about it, but we, um, I just sort of rattled off some names of some things that I really like and didn't think much more about it. And then they went and asked around and asked some questions and talked to some people and came back a bit later and said, there's an opportunity here if you want to do it. So we um, together a proposal on what we would be looking to make and here we are. Is it difficult jumping into this this franchise? Uh, you know, are there rules and I guess law regulations that you have to follow? Uh, yes, I mean, like there's there's the there's kind of the the official rules that we follow that you know we coordinated with NBC Universal. Um, a lot of us, like all of our stuff, gets vetted by them to make sure we're on the right track. But then there's also that kind of secondary layer of is it correct by what 
uh, is, is it correct by the fans? Like, is it authentic enough for those guys? Um, so, yeah, there's kind of, it, kind of, it does feel like there's kind of two layers that we have to work on there, and it's always important that we make sure we get it correct for everyone. Especially checking out that AMA today, it looks like you've got a lot of people that are going to be following the law quite quite a, quite a lot to the law. Oh, I guess. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, we, we've already got people questioning, like, the names of the classes mm. of the ships and how if we've got the right t- number of guns and the types of guns and have we got the timing right. And, like, this is all stuff that we've researched quite extensively right from the very beginning of the project because we just have to be uh, – we have to be confident that we can just stand up and say, you know, what we've written and what we've – developed uh fits within the timeline fits within the law and the canon and uh we're making this as uh, close to the mark as we can what was the research up to you or were you given some blueprints or some some a law book or something like that to work from uh we had a quite a number of sources actually yeah um we got information from all those places i mean the, the main i guess the main um source i guess is the actual tv show itself um but yeah we also had, had um uh, a lot of uh, good places to get some good research material as well. So, yeah, yeah the, there's a wiki in particular, the Battlestar wiki, and I really loved that website. Unfortunately, it's not up at the moment, but I love them just because they referenced and their sources for absolutely everything, all the way from if it was in the TV show, various podcasts that Ron Moore or David Icke did, um, whether they were getting it from various published books. Um, just being able to cite the sources has been really useful as well. I've noticed that you've actually got um, a theatre and playwright director, Jessica Messenger, working with you on this one. Um, how, how is that bringing outsiders in to uh, help you with the story and, uh, and and other aspects, I assume? Yeah, Jess came in to help out with the script for a little while. Um, basically, you know, we're a fairly small team and when it comes down to the writing, I was the only person looking at the writing um, for a long time. So then it was great to be able to get Jess in to get a second set of eyes just, you know, to sanity check and let me know where I might have been going wrong with various things or where I might have been going right. Um, and, you know, her unique perspective coming from at a from a theatre perspective uh, really opened up a bunch of the issues with the dialogue, for instance, that I had in the script. Um, but it is really important as well, you know, like a, a, one of the big pillars of game development is collaboration. So the more people you can get working, uh, the more creative input you can have, it's good. You're working within an, uh, an existing franchise and you're uh, making another space combat game uh, off the back of sort of Starhammer as well. Which universe, uh, you know, for you, is it, oh, sorry, I guess, is it is it better to be able to have a universe that you can build completely from scratch and you can say every single rule that comes along or or do you like having a framework there that you can build upon? Uh, okay. Uh, I think they, they have their pros and their cons, like you said, just then, like, if you can take something from scratch and invent it, that's obviously a lot of fun. But, you know, working inside a, a framework that exists, if it's something that's you know, really popular and that people really like, um, that's pretty gratifying as well. Um, probably more so. I think um, there's, there's not much point in making up stuff if no one ever finds out about it. And a good thing about this versus Starhammer is that... Um, Battlestar Galactica, the name has recognition. More people sort of care about it already and it hasn't even come out yet. So um, from, that, from that respect, I think, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very happy to be working in this inside another franchise, this game. Yeah. I think also creatively, like, the blank page is overrated. Like, constraints 
can help a creative endeavor so much. Um, so ha already having established law, already having established world, having established characters, like those are good constraints to have because that means you can push at the edges and try to find the really unique stuff and while already having a lot of the groundwork set out for you. You, I guess the, the number one question that I saw pop up today was when is the game coming out? Um, people are very <laughs> excited uh, to, to play it. Um, how far along uh, is the game and when can people kind of expect to sort of start getting it into their hands and, and pilot yeah. battle stars and, and send off vipers and all of that sort of stuff into the, into the world? It's very far along. It's well into beta at the moment. We've been beta testing for a few months now. And um, I think uh, the... Launch time frame is um, sort of very late in our, our winter here in Australia, so um, not too far away. It's getting very, very uh, close. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. Um, I, sorry, if you ask an exact date, I can't say at the moment because we actually haven't <laughs> determined an exact date yet. So, Fair enough. Um, no, I that's totally fine, yeah. but it's uh, yeah. late winter sorry, is I'm not, good. I'm not, sure, I'm, not sure, I'm not trying to hide the dates since we actually don't even have it 100% confirmed ourselves yet. So, well, yeah. but I think as soon as we get locked down, we'll definitely be letting everyone know. Very exciting. Uh, now, if people want to find out a bit more information about it, uh, where's the best place for them to head to at the moment? Uh, there's a page at uh, slytherin.com slash bsgdeadlock would be the best place to go. And that's Slytherin with a, an E, isn't it, at the end? Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, not yep. like the... Uh, the Like Slytherin. Yes, exactly. <laughs> no, no, like, the lizard, like the lizard. Um, <laughs> hey, guys, I have, I have one last question. Mm. Yeah. Could, would the Starhammer ships be able to hold off the Cylons? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. <laughs> no, no, like if I'm going to get super nerdy about this, the problem you've got there is that Battlestar universe is all kinetic weaponry. Like there's no lasers, it's all uh, uh, bullets and armor. Whereas like, we got to cheat the Star Hammer with lasers. Um, so I feel like there's a slight advantage there, but also, you know, there's nothing more deadly in space than just a steel rod sent at couple of thousand kilometers per second so uh i i don't really know <laughs> <laughs> any hope for like a crossover like a like a easter egg dlc oh yeah get uh, some, get some squid cylons yeah 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 that could be fun <laughs> yeah it's all very exciting uh i'm looking forward to it uh I think a lot of people are looking forward to it mm. uh, based on uh, watching some of the streams and uh, the Reddit AMA today. Uh, it's called Battlestar Galactica Deadlock. It's made by Perth's Black Lab Games. We're still joined by Paul and Anthony uh, from, well, probably not that actually that far away. You're, you're within the same state as us, but not in the, the same studio. Um, but right now, though. Just up the road. Yeah, yeah, just up the road. We'll go see you afterwards. Uh, right now, though, let's jump into our next topic. Pixel Sim! It's not Pixel Sieve, it's Pixel Sift. Pixel Sieve! So sometimes we can be tempted to take a bit of a shortcut in a game, be it like a map, just running over the map in an interesting way, or abusing the save mechanic like I do in Pokemon every time I want to catch a legendary. So <laughs> I guess, how does this affect the way that we perceive games and... Is this really in the spirit of what the developer intended? This is what I want to throw to Anthony and, and Paul straight away. Yeah. Um, have you seen people play your games in ways that you haven't intended and thought, geez, that's a, that's a good or bad? Or, or wrong? Or, or yeah. how, how does it make you feel? Um, finished products or beaters? Oh, well, either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry, in joke. Um <laughs> Yeah, actually, when, when Starhammer came out, we saw a few streams and 
kind of watching people play it and not so much sort of getting around the mechanics and stuff like that, but it's just sometimes people, you when you're developing it, you kind of have a particular thing in mind about how it actually works and how it plays. Uh, and then you do actually see people going, doing things, you know, yeah, I didn't actually think you would do that, but that's fine. So, yeah, <laughs> happens sometimes. As long as they're having fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really interesting uh, sort of concept. Uh, one of the the term that kind of popped up when uh, we saw this one is this term called save scumming, um, <laughs> which you know sounds negative, but uh, yeah, it's basically where you kind of take all risk out of a game entirely by saving at every point. You have to make a hard decision, and if you're you know running up against the random number generator of choice in in games, and it just kind of takes. Uh, away any of that risk there i'll have to admit like in fallout 4 they Mm -hmm. introduced a quick save within conversations um and (laughs) uh i was uh quite the wordsmith uh quite charismatic never failed a conversation uh challenge in the whole game because of that um yeah i think it's a it's a really sort of interesting concept to talk about uh and we see many interesting things where people have kind of taken the games outside of what people have intended and turned it into to something brand new yeah entirely new games in a lot of uh situations <clears throat> like i hate to bring pokemon up again but like there's like the nuzlocke challenge for example like if a pokemon faints then that's it for that for that that boy that and boy's then- <laughs> gone so i guess it, it just creates a different way of playing which is pretty cool it yeah i mean i guess that's what the entire modding communities are built on you know t- taking a, a game and making it a something a little bit else i mean gta is a huge one for it uh, I, I really like the mod where you can you, you be a police officer and you you, you correctly obey the you know, law as far as police officers do anyway if you want um and and also with like GTA we were talking about this earlier uh, Mitch and I um if you want to play GTA pl- properly as like a citizen and driving in traffic and whatever it's a lot better now in the newer ones but in the older ones like it just was not a thing the car like you know NPCs would be ramming your car out of the way of the lights because you're not meant to be there you know you're not meant to be sitting at a red light. Um, I thought that was rather, rather funny that you were never, ever, ever meant to play the the game like civilly. I remember <laughs> uh, in the original Halo on Xbox One, there was a level called the Silent Cartographer, um, and I know it well. It was a it's basically an island, and there's a big beach around the whole island, and you actually get two warthogs at one point, and it's a co-op game, and the warthogs are invincible. Um, and my brother and I spent many hours just smashing the warthogs into each other, flipping, uh, using the <laughs> physics to throw each other into the sky. Um, and yeah, that wasn't wasn't intended at all. Um, but you couldn't drown, and you couldn't uh, be killed if you were knocked out of a car. So you know that. Was wasn't part of the game but it's still very enjoyable to do so yeah there's i mean a lot of people you know use this especially in the speed running community as well yeah um, especially glitch speed running glitch there's glitch speed running but also there's uh you know the uh, even not using glitches as well like just using the timers based in games as well yeah, yeah. and they're you know walking in a particular pattern walking on particular sprites or, or taking a certain number of steps to increment the counters to a certain point so that they get a certain result or within a range of predictable results in order to do that so so you've got your two parties you know you've got the people exploiting it for whatever reason which you know can can have its negative traits but then you've also got the whole um, you know nurturing of communities that it, that evolve and exist around being able to to do these strange things in games, like I said, like modding communities, especially, um, you know, and that's a huge love and dedication to the game. How a review abused passive mode in GTA. <laughs> You're the worst. You're the worst person. Worst kind of person. Yep. There yeah. are words that we need to have you abuse passive mode in GTA Five. I don't online. even know what that is. 
Scott uh, knows. Yeah. But, um, yeah, look, it's a, it's really interesting um, sort of thing to think about. And people, I think often when you, well, in that sort of situation, you're talking about a multiplayer uh, element where, you know, your particular uh, behavior impacts on other people. Um, quick scoping. Quick scoping. Yeah. All of that sort of thing, I think, is something that usually is sort of frowned upon. But you I'll know. talk about this in our Let's Play, well, where we have played is, GTA, yeah. any sort of passive mode. Any sort of exploit that makes it, you know, extremely unfair is frowned upon basically uh, you know you speed runners and whatever are an exception because that's generally single player games uh but yeah your multiplayers when somebody is exploiting it that's not cool very true not cool thanks for that uh wise words there scott look uh, we'll put that on a poster i've been friendly this week yeah he's not uh, t- taking it's down any cool. beloved franchises this no. week uh that's pretty much all we've got time for today thank you very much paul and anthony for joining us we're super excited to uh yes. play Battlestar Galactica Deadlock in late winter in WAE, in in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, You can check out all the links to that on our website, and that website is www.pixelsift.com.au. A big thank you to our sponsor, (laughs) Murdoch University, uh, who help us make the show every week. Um, You can check out the Open Day. It's on the 30th of July. 30th of July. Thank you, Scott. Uh, From 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. He's got it memorized. I do. Uh, you can, you can come into this very studio. Yeah. You can be here yeah. where we are. I mean, are we won't right be now. here. I mean, I won't. I, I will, though. I, Scott will be here. <laughs> I will be here. You can yeah. meet your your fa- uh, you know, your favorite your biggest... sifter, yes. Scott. You can tell Scott how good Last of Us is. Uh-huh. Um, Win me over. Check out the performance <laughs> at 2pm by Thelma Plum. Uh, thanks to Murdoch's University School of Arts for supporting the show. Uh, and win yourself a VIP experience. That's it. At the Perth Arena. Do it. Uh, Mitch, we've got a bunch of other episodes, don't we? Yes, you can go to our website to stream those. You can subscribe to our podcast on either iTunes and Pocket Cast or using the RSS link. And if you're listening to us exclusively on one of these platforms, just remind remind you we go live every fortnight and our next episode is on the 3rd of August. And Scott, if people want to find us on social media. Y'all can find us at facebook.com forward slash pixel sift, twitter.com forward slash pixel sift, pixel sift, twitch.tv forward slash pixel sift and youtube.com forward slash pixel sift au. All great stuff. Thanks for joining us. We will see you guys this time next week. Yeah. For a Let's Play. Let's Play. It's what a surprise. We're going to find out. Tune in. <laughs> see you then. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Anthony. See ya.